So what happens when the federal government comes to your company and says, you need to give us all the information you have on all of your customers? And the purpose is for them to be able to decide who or who doesn't get to, in this case, own guns, or it's for them to be able to track or monitor certain behaviors that they quote unquote deem unsuitable for polite society. Now you think this isn't happening, but it is. And we'll get into that in a, and a little bit more here on this episode of the cyber.now podcast. My name is Nick Sturgeon, your host coming from Speedway, Indiana, and it is Brickyard 400 weekend, though I'm not a huge NASCAR fan anymore. It's still racing in Speedway, so it's a good day. It's a beautiful weekend, and I do want to apologize for not putting out episodes over the last couple weeks. Been dealing with some things medically, some injuries there that just really have kept it or kept me from wanting to do this because I've been hurting so damn bad. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. I've got an exciting episode for you all this week. Not only are we going to talk about some of the stuff that's happened that lead in and and fall in line with the the opening of the show, but also going to be talking about some of that stuff with Cliff Maloney from Young Americans for Liberty. Really excited that Cliff took some time out of his day to to speak on this and a little bit about what YAL, again, Young Americans for Liberty, is all about. Also want to thank Delta Research for their continued support. Much love to Doug Rapp and what he's doing uh, with Delta Research and for cybersecurity here in the state of Indiana. As always, I do want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode right now for taking time out of your day. I realize time is that one valuable resource that we do not get back and are not necessarily guaranteed. I really, really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning in. It is my goal, one, to educate you so that you're better aware of the things that are going on. And secondly, you know, there's a little bit of enjoyment. (laughs) I say a little bit of enjoyment. Sometimes it can be frustrating doing this show, but other times, and most of the times, let's be honest, it's fun. I get that enjoyment out of doing the process of putting on this podcast, but really it is for you guys, and hopefully making you a little bit smarter about what's going on. So, we will jump right into it. So, over the last couple weeks, there's been some hubbub, if you might have heard, about gun control. Unfortunately, we've had a couple of incidents over the last month or two of these shootings that have taken place in El Paso and Dayton, and they are very tragic. I don't want to take away from that aspect. The loss of life and the and the injuries, the scars that will and have come as a result of these cowards 
committing these atrocities is heartbreaking. On one side of the aisle, you have the progressives and the Democrats calling for gun control. It's the gun's fault. It's the access to guns. And in my opinion, it's everything but what is actually causing the people to want to take these serious types of actions out on other people. But on the other hand, you have the diehard conservatives, and in my opinion, rightfully so, worried about the government infringing on their constitutional rights. To me, I think we're missing the real issue here. The left is wanting to attack the tool. When somebody gets behind the wheel and is drunk or high and crashes and kills one or more people, we don't attack the car. We go after the person. We don't see protests and pushes for banning cars or come up with any other tragedy where a person uses violence to kill somebody or multiple people with another tool. We don't see all of the excitement and the rush to go after that particular tool. But why guns? Why are folks so adamantly going after the guns? I am a huge constitutionalist. Not just the Second Amendment, but all of the Constitution. There is a reason, and I've talked about this before, that the Bill of Rights fell in the order that it did. It wasn't by mistake. The danger here is not only with the Second Amendment. Psychology, or psychologically, there's a lot of emotion that is stirred up by going after the Second Amendment. We risk going down a slippery slope, even if we give up just an inch on any of the constitutional rights. What I wanted to say a little bit earlier, and it escaped me, but it came back to me right now, is where many, well, not many, were some folks who are heavy to a supporters get it wrong, is the Second Amendment isn't there just for home defense. It is for self-defense at all times. It is also for us as individuals to be able to defend against a tyrannical government. It's not for hunting. It's not there to protect our rights to be able to hunt. It is there so we can defend ourselves against the government, should it turn tyrannical, or other individuals. In general, the Constitution is there to limit the government. Plain and simple. Not limit the people, but limit the government. Now, this article that I'm going to get into here a little bit is from August 22nd by Chris Wright, a tech reporter from the Daily Caller, and it is titled, Trump admin is considering using Amazon Echo and Apple Watches to determine if citizens should own a gun. Now, there are certain things already in place that the government says who can and cannot own a firearm usually has to deal with about felony convictions and serious violent offenders. So there are certain stipulations that are granted to the government to help 
them regulate who gets access and how those constitutional rights are carried out. But I really want you guys to get thinking about with all of the data that this technology is collecting on you, even if you have a bad day in the biometric data that is being collected on multiple different fronts, or your search history could be used to determine at that very instance whether or not the government can come in and take away your rights. Think how, about how dangerous that is. So the article states the Trump administration is considering a proposal that would use Google, Amazon, and Apple to collect data on users who exhibit characteristics of mental illness that could lead to violent behavior. The Washington Post reported on Thursday, the proposal is part of an initiative to create a health advanced research projects agency, HARPA. God forbid we actually need another federal agency that's siphoning off more and more of our, our tax dollars, but that's a whole nother line of conversation, which would be located inside the Health and Human Services Department, the report notes, citing, resource, or citing sources inside the administration. The new agency would have a separate budget and the president would be responsible for appointing its director. Harpa would take after the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, which serves as the research arm for the Pentagon. The idea was first crafted in 2017, but has since gotten a renewed push after the mass shootings killed 31 people in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio in August. Which, another side note, there's really not a agreed-upon definition of what a mass shooting is. That's another topic of conversation for a later time. But in, anyway, back to the article. The Susan Wright Foundation approached the president recently and proposed the agency include a project called Stopping Apparent Fatal Events by Helping Overcome Mental Extremes or Save Homes. The report notes citing two people familiar with the matter. President Trump has close, a closer relationship with Bob Wright, who founded the foundation after his wife died of cancer. Wright was a former chair of NBC and occupied that position while the president hosted The Apprentice. Blah, blah, blah. Harper would develop, quote, breakthrough technologies with high specific, specificity and sensitivity for early diagnosis of neuropsychiatric violence, according to a copy of the proposal. Quote, a multi-modality solution with the real-time data analytics is needed to achieve such an accurate diagnosis. The document lists several technologies that could be employed to help collect information, including Apple Watches, Amazon Echo, and Google Home. Jeffrey Ling, the League Scientific Advisor on HARPA, told reporters Thursday that the plan would require enormous amounts of data and scientific rigor. He added everybody would be a volunteer. We're not inventing new science here. We're analyzing it so we can develop new approaches. The White House declined to provide the Daily Caller News Foundation with a statement, but sources told WAPO that Trump has reacted, quote, very positively to the proposal. It is unclear if he has seen the safe home idea. Google and Amazon have also not responded to the request for comment. Trump said mental 
or mentally ill people are responsible for the uptick in mass shootings. Quote, I do not want people to remember the words mental illness. These people are mentally ill. I think it would have to start building institutions again because, you know, if you look at the 60s and 70s, so many of these institutions were closed. The president has also floated the possibility of supporting background checks, which are already being done. If you look at the last one that happened in Texas about a week ago, the guy had already filled a background check. He was still able to get a gun, which goes to my point that bad people will find a way to do bad things, regardless if it's already illegal, which murder is. Murder is already illegal, folks, but people still continue to do it. So using that data that these technologies are collecting and you think oh no these companies they would never give that up to the federal government i want you to think about this this next clip comes from fox business and it's about the doj may force big tech to divest customer data and we'll play the video here real quick you know, this is a serious story as much as I'm trying not to make it. Um, the U.S. Justice Department, we understand from people close to the Justice Department, is looking at a new approach in, uh, in enforcing antitrust against tech companies. Now, here's what they're looking at. And this is where it could get really nasty for Google, for Facebook, for any of these tech companies, Liz, that hoard data, like Ashley Madison that hoards, you know, my data, right? Um, they, they basically, the U.S., the DOJ wants to look at these, at data as a commodity, if that, if data itself is being examined by the DOJ as a commodity, as something that is to be traded and sort of um, examined in an antitrust concept and uh, standpoint, they can make the big tech companies give up the data, the consumer data. So Facebook might have to divest consumer data they pick up on their users. Apple might have to divest that. Amazon, Google, and Facebook are clearly in the crosshairs on this. I, I don't want to underplay this. This is a pretty big story if they go this route. What makes Google and particularly Facebook so profitable right. is the hoarding of consumer data, right? They know when I did a story on Jeffrey Epstein and those slippers, remember the screw you slippers? Yes. I looked it up How online. How could I forget? But I looked it up online. Guess what? On my Facebook page, I was bombarded with pictures of oh, screw you slippers. So annoying. So, so they they hoard this data and the Justice Department thinks possibly Facebook, Google in particular, that the hoarding of that data, the use of that data allows them to be a monopoly when it comes yeah, to you data. You think they're not sharing because okay. you searched for but that. But it's not only that. Now they're gonna they may, in this crackdown, make them give it up. They are saying that the hoarding of data, the use of data allows them to maintain their monopoly position and prevent new entrants from coming in the market. So I just want you to be real clear here. If you're looking at buying these stocks, you know, this regulatory approach is pretty it is pretty tough if you're an investor in any of these companies. So, that is super scary. So any of the privacy legislation that would come out, would that really even do any good? Because the federal government would have that data. They would force these companies to give up that data, your data. And one, as we've talked with Lindsay Marie before, they're not doing a very good job at protecting it. But think about all of the things that they would want to ban or, and those behaviors or th 
tools or technologies or, or anything that they would say, oh, this is illegal. And you throw in the, or throw on top of this, this Green New Deal that is just taken up just a massive amount of popularity with the Democratic candidates now. And they're talking about banning meat and unhealthy eating behaviors and this and that. And it is a scary thought that the federal government, because of all the data that's being collected on you, could say, you know what, Nick, you had that cheeseburger. And yes, I'm talking to you, Camilla, and those occasional cheeseburgers that you like to eat. I love cheeseburgers and I eat them all the time. But the federal government goes, eh, you've gone over your allotment of fat for the month or the year. Now we're going to fine you. Is that really the world that we want to live in? Or even more, uh, you are well over your quota of carbohydrates today. We're going to lock you in jail because that's illegal. Man, that is a super, super slippery slope. And on top of that, the good old U.S. Department of Justice is looking to order Google and Apple to disclose names of 10,000 GunScope app users. And this comes from techtimes.com, just came out yesterday. It says the U.S. Department of Justice is evidently ordering Google and Apple to submit the names of thousands of users of a particular app. What is the order for and are they are or are there any implications for security and privacy? Yeah, there's huge implications on security and privacy, but also constitutionally. In an exclusive report by Forbes, it was revealed that the U.S. Department of Justice applied for a court order to obtain information from Apple and Google on their users of Obsidian 4, a tool used to control rifle scopes of a particular brand. The app has 10,000 downloads on Google Play alone. While Apple does not disclose the number of downloads, this means that the Department of Justice may be obt obtaining records of thousands of individuals from their names, phone numbers, and according to Forbes, this is uh, the first known case wherein American investigators are demanding thousands of personal data of users of a single app from Google and Apple. So apparently, according to this, Obsidian 4 is an app that was made to be used with American Technologies Network Corp. Scopes allowing owners to live stream, record, or even calibrate their gun scopes using their smartphones or tablets. Evidently, the DOJ is requiring this information because of an ongoing investigation regarding potential breaches of export regulations. But why do they need all of those people? If they're going after the company, which according to this article, it says it's not, what is the possible reason that they could be needing this information? But again, as we talked about earlier with the gun control, oh, you've got this app. We've got it. We know that this certain gun is illegal and this scope is made for this gun. Therefore, uh, we think that you have this type of illegal gun, so we're going to use this as quote-unquote probable cause to come in and search your home for that gun. You think that's far-fetched? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's real, a real, real major concern. Another example of the slippery slope when we get in to gun control. 
I do want to point out something. When we talk about privacy as it relates to the government, that's the Fourth Amendment, folks. It's not just a privacy concern. It is a violation of our constitutional rights that is happening when the government is violating our privacy. It is illegal for them to do that unless they have probable cause of a crime being committed. And therefore, they need a judge to sign off on a warrant to do arrest us, to surveil on us. Well, that's the way it's supposed to go. Now, what is actually happening versus reality, again, that's a whole nother ball game. But anyway, all right, guys, that's enough of my ranting. I'm going to play for you now the interview with Cliff Maloney of Young Americans for Liberty. Hope you enjoy it, guys. We'll see you on the other side. Good afternoon. This is Nick Sturgeon with the Cyber.Now podcast with me for a interview for the first time, Cliff Maloney with Young Americans for Liberty. Thank you, Cliff, for coming on the show. Yeah, Nick, pleasure to be here. Yeah, so since this is your first time on the show, if you could just do a little bit of an introduction of yourself and what Young Americans for Liberty is and what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. So Young Americans for Liberty, it's uh, really, really an awesome experience and an opportunity you know, for, for young college students to get involved. We work with college students across America, and we try to recruit them based on the principles of liberty, the principles of the Constitution, free markets, civil liberties, are the things that the organization stands for. And we've got chapters across the country that work with activists. But then the big thing that we do is once we're done recruiting and kind of building this youth army is we train our students uh, to go out and to mobilize across the country through a program that we call Operation Win at the Door. And uh, this is our effort. We identify state legislative candidates that we call Liberty Legislators, and we deploy our students to knock doors and try to win these races. And uh, it's been pretty cool. We've won uh, 39 races across the country um, doing these door knocking deployments, and we're trying to win 250 of them by the end of 2022. So if you had to kind of put together one thing the organization was doing, um, I would say that would be it is really trying to not only recruit and get students excited, but go out there and make a difference and create a real impact in the country. So how did it get started? What was the motivation for it starting Young Americans for Liberty? Yeah, so we were founded back in 2008. Um, it was a continuation of a students for Ron Paul. So Ron Paul was running for president. Uh, as a libertarian type Republican, all these young people got excited. And so my predecessor uh, decided that we would take kind of that energy for the principles of liberty and try to continue that on, um, but not do it associated to a presidential cycle. Okay. So, yeah, it's been 10 years um, and it's uh, it's been an exciting growth. And like I said, we've kind of been building this youth army and now we're saying, hey, uh, let's deploy it. And that's the whole point of Operation Winning the Door. Nice, nice. Well, I know you're busy, so we'll get right into it. So here recently, President Trump, in probably one of his many tweets or statements, has come out saying, and this is really in response to what we saw happen in El Paso, uh, Dayton, and some of the, uh, I guess, effects from other quote-unquote, mass shootings, even though that's, in my opinion, not really a well-defined term at all, that he wants to use technologies like the Amazon Echo or Alexa, Apple Watches to decide who should get access to guns. Kind of what is your, your 
uh, initial thoughts from that statement? Yeah, so what's crazy to me is anytime a bureaucrat or any politician, uh, you know, tries to, to go down that slippery slope of, you know, I mean, I think they come to it from the right angle. They're trying to provide solutions. But the problem is, where do you draw the line? And the question, you know, that I like to ask is, is simple. You know, Trump is now coming out talking about these red flag laws. Should the government decide who can own a firearm? Should the government decide who gets to defend themselves and who doesn't? And I think that there's a lot of people that would say yes, and they try to draw the line. And even right now, I mean, we have certain forms of gun control, uh, delayed uh, purchasing. You know, you have to have a cooling off period in a lot of states. There's a lot of things in place. Um, but my, my reaction and my gut, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, guns are not really uh, legal gun ownership is, you know, I, it's just not, not really a big thing. But once you get out in the world and you experience, you realize the whole point of the Second Amendment is not just to, to hunt. It's not to, to, to do sporting and, and to shoot clays. It's to defend yourself. And God forbid you're in the horrible situation of having to defend yourself from not just a home intruder, uh, but a tyrannical government. And I don't think I'm radical to say that. It's taken me a while to understand that. But the reason, and the, the reason I have a problem with Trump and a lot of these Republicans who, who claim to be conservatives is the government should not dictate who has the right to defend themselves. That's the whole point of the Second Amendment. And red flag laws, you know, once again, it seems like this fluffy idea that we're going to help individuals. Um, but excuse my language, it's bullshit. The government should not get to decide who can, who can't. You know, what, I, I had a friend who said to me, he said, well, you know, he said, shouldn't, shouldn't we do something? And I said, well, listen, what is that something? And he says, well, you know, shouldn't crazy people not get guns? I said, you know what? You're right. But how do you define crazy? Yep. And who's defining what mentally unstable or quote unquote crazy is? Right. And that's the problem is whatever word you want to come up with, you've got to dive in. The devil's in the details. So if it's crazy, if it's mentally unstable, if it's, you know, insane, who gets to decide what that is? Now, I'm happy to have certain things um, in terms of, you know, I mean, we have certain things in place that, that if somebody goes and they've got some record of, you know, horrible, horrible things, they're not allowed to purchase a weapon. Okay. But the problem is trying to put in these new rules. And, and it's, it's these people I see all the time that just scream, do something. You know, it's a very elementary level way of trying to come up with a policy for difficult situations. And I've gotten in trouble for saying that, you know, I've said this on the national television, insanity cannot be fixed by laws. Laws can't fix insanity. And some people don't want to come to terms with that. Yeah. Well, and, and having been a former law enforcement officer here in the state of Indiana and actually seeing the behind the scenes of how the licensing happens here, at least in the state of Indiana. It's not only just a Second Amendment issue, it's a Fourth and Fifth Amendment issue as well. You know, who, if I'm identified as crazy by my neighbor, who I may have a beef with because of some, you know, other issue, whether it's noise or property line and they go, oh, I know he has guns. Where's my due process? Right. It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. And that's the problem is, you know, it's a jurisdiction issue that I think a lot of people that are not engaged in, engaged in the political spectrum, they fail to understand. When you give the government the jurisdiction, when you say, hey, listen, I want to give you the power to make a decision, you're dealing with tons and tons of bureaucratic levels of things that people can now manipulate. And I'm not saying that people have bad intentions. I'm not saying that people are evil. What I'm saying is when power is centralized and you say, hey, listen, no longer are we going to decide these things. We're going to turn it over to a bureaucracy or to some government committee or we're going to let them make a law. All of a sudden what you're doing is opening yourself up 
to, to additional problems. And people will manipulate the system. And you're right. When you start to, to, to take guaranteed rights and make them negotiable, you're going to run into problems where people are going to abuse that. Yep. What happens if my neighbor calls and says, hey, you know, I, I didn't cut the grass. We, we had some agreement. We're, we're having a dispute. And he calls. He knows I have, you know, a couple firearms in the house. And says, hey, you know, my neighbor, he's been saying some things seem a little crazy recently. Is that really enough? You know, you're losing, like you said, you're losing that entire due process that you're guaranteed to have. That's a problem. Yeah. And where the, the fourth amendment comes into place is it, it, as it relates to the technology, where is that, you know, my right to be secure in my information uh, with whatever that data is being collected by these companies. I'm not even sure exactly how they are going to work with Amazon or Apple and what specific data points that they would be looking for. But I mean, there's privacy concerns galore outside of just the, the issues with determining who is or isn't you know, able to own a firearm. So I think we're, would be opening up a Pandora's box that just would not be good for uh, the liberties here in America. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because if you look at the medical industry, for the most part, when it comes to privacy, uh, I think we've actually done pretty well. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't want to say regulations, but there's a, a culture, there's a standard out there of kind of, listen, you know, I mean, we've, we've lost that with the idea of, of um, the Affordable Care Act and moving government more into the medicine, but the privacy, at least on the, the surface, has remained kind of an understood culture of, well, listen, you don't get to see uh, what my doctor and I talk about. You don't get to see what my doctor's reported are the ailments of me. Mm-hmm. I worry about when you open up the door all of a sudden to this quote unquote mental health blanket slate of, you know, well, we get to dictate which rights people have based on, you know, their health. Um, it is, it is such a slippery slope. It's such, you said Pandora's box, that's spot on. It's a Pandora's box of trying to figure out different ways to regulate people, different ways to dig in. And the government just, you know, it's, it's proven time and time again to be inept at things like that. And so I think you're, 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 you're giving it the opportunity to now play a part in an already complicated situation. I don't think that will help. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Well, I know we're getting close on time. So how can people get a hold of you, find you, you know, what are some of the things that Young American for Liberties is doing here in the next, uh, or at least the recent future or near future, sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. So if you go on over to yaliberty.org, or you can check us out on Twitter uh, and Facebook at yaliberty. Um, We're always looking for people to get involved. Uh, Three things that we need. The first thing is door knockers. Um, So we've obviously got a, a large youth army if you're looking to get involved feel free to sign up. Second thing is candidates. So if you have somebody you want to recommend or if you yourself are a candidate, you can go to yaliberty.org slash door, fill out our survey or recommend a candidate uh, at the state level. We're always looking for, for, for tips and, and people to find across the country. And then the third thing is people to, to help invest in what we're doing. Um, the supplies for the students, the training materials, the food, when we put them up in hotels, you know, all these things cost money and uh, we do operate as a nonprofit yaliberty.org. Plenty of ways for people to get involved. And, you know, we're trying to build this bench. So I would appreciate your listeners checking us out, Young Americans for Liberty. Absolutely. So how can they get a hold of you directly? Are you on the socials, if if the young kids say? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter, uh, at Liberty Cliff, and uh, we'll be happy to get back with anybody. Um, You can also email us 
um, cliff.maloney at yaliberty.org. Happy to talk to anybody um, that wants to get involved. And uh, we got a revolution to win. Nice. So real quick, any more appearances coming up on Fox and Friends or the Fox News Channel? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to be doing another media uh, week uh, in mid-September. So September 17th through 19th, um, I will be back on, probably doing Fox Business and Fox. Um, we'll see. It's uh, it's never a slow news cycle. So I, <laughs> you know, things might pop up or somebody will do something crazy in one of our students and I got to want to represent. But, um, you know, we're having fun kind of taking this uh, message of liberty and trying to go mainstream with it. Nice. Well, Cliff, I know you're busy. Thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to come and chat. Hope to have you back on again soon. All right. You take care now. All right. Thanks. That's it for this week's show, you guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed it. Thanks again to our sponsor, Delta Research, for supporting the show. Again, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me at nick at thepolititech.com. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I promise I'll be back to do this thing once again. Until then, have a great week. Talk to you soon.